This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Am I being sanctified? Well, are you saved? Are you born again? I'm not saying you believe that there is a Jesus. There are a lot of people who believe that there was a Jesus. I'm not just have a knowledge of Jesus, but to believe in Jesus in a sense that you believe him, that your life changed. You've been transformed. You're born again. You repented of your sin. You're turning your mind, everything around to Christ, and you're following him. You're being separated. That is, once you repented of your sin and accept Christ as Lord and Savior, that's justification. Now you've been justified by faith. I'll do this today, and after I hope to accomplish another job. Have you had similar thoughts? As easy as it is to write to-do lists, it's much harder to actually check them off. Because it takes action, energy, time. Christianity's more than saying you believe. There's a change that occurs. How you lived isn't how you live now. Jesus remodeled you when you accepted the fact that he died for you. Pastor Eddie talks about this in today's message. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 as he continues his message, Christ's Sacrifice Once for All. Now in verses 5 to 10, the writer is going to just show the prophecies concerning that it was the plan of God from the very beginning, from the foundation, that he would fill this will to do the will of the Father in dying on the cross for you and I. So look at verse 5. It says, therefore, therefore, okay, you students, I'm going to say it again. I know it's kind of, whenever you get to the word therefore in the Bible, you need to ask yourself, what is it there for? Well, because of the previous Therefore, because it was inadequate, the old system was under the law of Moses and the sacrifice. Therefore, because it didn't do anything, when he, speaking of Jesus, came into the world, Jesus came into the world, right? John chapter 1, the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. In verse 14 of John chapter 1, and the word became flesh. He left the throne. When he... Jesus came into the world. Now you're going to see the next verse. It's in italics in your Bible. That's because it's letting you know that it's quoting from another passage. And he's quoting Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8. Psalm 40, verse 6 through 8. He says in verse 5, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire. God did not desire that. But a body, a body, a human body, not an animal. A human body you have prepared for me. In other words, the son, Jesus Christ, is saying to God the Father, you did not want animal sacrifices. You have given me a body to offer. That's why he came in the flesh. His body had to die for the sins of the world. It's all about the body, saints. It's all about the body of Jesus Christ. And that's important for us to understand because you come across many different doctrines that are other religions and cults that are preaching another Jesus. Saying that Jesus physically didn't come and die on the cross. 
The Gnostics, Gnostics was in, in the early church. Read first John's first epistle, first John, not the gospel of John, but first John. In first John, John had to write. He had to write to the early church and say, we, we beheld him, we heard him, we handled him. He was alive. Because the Gnostics, they were saying that Jesus wasn't a real person. He was a phantom. He was a spirit. And they even went as far as to say that when Jesus walked, he left no footprints in the sand. There are a lot of cults out there who say that Jesus wasn't a physical person. He was 100% God, 100% man. Drop down to verse 10. Look at verse 10. It says, by that will, the will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It's the body of Jesus Christ. When we partake of communion, it's for us to remember Jesus. We take the elements to remember Jesus. There's some denominations that actually make it more than what it is. They'll say that this here, Jesus is transforming into the wafer. You know, and no, it's a reminder. That's what is there for you to remember. Jesus, take this as a remembrance of me. This is my body. It's for us to remember that Jesus physically was nailed to the cross. He wants you to remember that. And what did Jesus say? A part of Luke chapter 22, verse 19. Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It is the body of Jesus. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Peter writes this. Who, speaking of Jesus himself, bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Speaking of the cross, another word that they use for wood. And he's quoting, he continues now to quote a messianic psalm. Look at verse 6. He says, in burnt offerings and sacrifice for sins, you had no pleasure. You had no pleasure in it. And God gave the children of Israel instructions to do this. But he's not saying that the system was wrong. It's just that it wasn't God's ultimate plan. It wasn't his desire, you see. It was a picture. And when they read this in the Old Testament, that should ring a bell. If you didn't, if God, you don't desire these sacrifices, why are we doing them? Because it's pointing to my son, Jesus. You see, you know, the animals cannot do anything. The unwilling victims of animals, you know, they were powerless and they couldn't cleanse anyone. It had to be the blood of a man, it had to be a body, and it had to be Jesus Christ. And so in verse 7, he continues on to say, Then I, speaking of Jesus, said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. In the volume of books, what he's talking about is the 39 books in the Old Testament. It spoke of Jesus. We find Jesus in every page, in every chapter. It all points to Jesus. It all points to Jesus. From the beginning of Genesis, it all points to Jesus. The first messianic prophecy in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It follows Jesus. People say, where did Cain get his wife? Who knows? But the the Bible is following a genealogy. It's not following everybody. And you can trace the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the New Testament to Adam. And that's the purpose of it. It all speaks of Jesus. It points to Jesus. It spoke of Jesus. It gave over 300 messianic prophecy how he would come, be born in a virgin, born in Bethlehem, be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Psalms 22, he said, they pierced my hands and feet. David, the psalmist, wrote that. 
hundreds of years before the Romans perfected the art of crucifixion. When David wrote it, was his hands and feet ever pierced? No, it's a prophecy pointed to Jesus. And so it speaks of Jesus, Yeshua, Mashiach, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to do the will of the Father. And that was his, when he came, he said, I did not come in my own authority. I came in authority of the Father. I came to testify of the Father. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He sent his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now testifies of Jesus, you see. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was here, he testified the Father. Now he's with the Father. He sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. So if you go to those churches, it's, oh, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Be careful. Because Jesus said the Holy Spirit would not testify of himself. And he got into all these unbiblical practices, barking like a dog. Believe it or not, this happened. I was part of a church where there was a holy laughter. Everybody started laughing. I said, it looked like a circus. Unbiblical practices. But Jesus came to do the will of the Father. He testified of the Father. Jesus said, and remember when Jesus met the Samaritan woman that were going to Samaria, and Jesus said to the disciples, listen, uh, you know, go get something to eat. And obviously the Lord had a plan to speak and minister to this woman, the Samaritan woman. The disciples, they went, they, when they got their Mickey D's, right? Jesus is hungry. They come back, you know, bag is all soggy, and they see Jesus still ministering. And they say, Jesus, it's getting cold. That's my interpretation. That's not Bible, okay? I have to say that because some people, <laughs> I get, anyway. So they, they were eating. Jesus, did somebody feed Jesus? And what did Jesus say? In John chapter 4, verse 34, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. That was his will. And ultimately, before he was going to be crucified, arrested and crucified, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was praying. He was asking Father. He knew. He says, Father, is there any other way? Any other way that man could be right with you? But he knew he had to go to the cross. And it says in Luke 22, verse 42, Jesus prayed, Father, If it is your will, take this cup, the wrath that he's about to receive on the cross that you and I deserve. We're the ones that sin. He said, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It was the will of the Father. So his death on the cross, his sacrifice for all our sins is the will of the Father. But he didn't willingly. What did Jesus say? I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to raise it up again. And that's why he came. And we think about the, the baby Jesus in the major. He's not in the major anymore. That's not what it's all about. It's not to have a nice little nativity scene on your lawn or on your Christmas card. He came to die on the cross. That's why he came. That's why the wise men went to seek him. He's the savior of the world. In verses 8 and 9, it says, he goes on to say, previously, previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offering according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And he, by doing that, he takes away the first. That is speaking about the first covenant, the old sacrificial system, that he may establish the second the new covenant, through his sacrifice on the cross. So it's literally out with the old, in with the new. From the very beginning, God had that plan. There's a new covenant, and it's through Jesus Christ. 
Look at verse 10. He said, by that will, that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. That's it. We are being sanctified. He's talking to believers, not non-believers. Believers. The word sanctify here is hagiaso. It means to separate from profane things, things that are unclean, and to be dedicated to God. That's what it means to be separated. That means to be sanctified. It's it's an ongoing process. And it, it actually comes also from the Greek root word hagios, which is holy. Holy. And it's important to know the work of sanctification um, because it is not something that you can do. You can't sanctify yourself. And that's what religion does. Oh, I got to do this in order to be right with God. You know, it's a Jesus and doctrine. It's Jesus and face to east and pray three times a day. Jesus and wear this and don't wear that. Jesus and eat this, don't eat that. And that's religion. It's legalism. Jesus said, once for us finished, we're being sanctified. And it's through the work of the cross. Drop down. Well, let's look at verse 10 again. Look at verse 10 again. It says, by that will, we have been sanctified. How? By you? By me? No. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. It is through Christ. So all the religious works and all the things that you try to be right with God, is not going to sanctify you. It is through the work. Jesus is doing it. It's through the cross. It all begins with justification, by the way. But those of you who are probably asking, am I being sanctified? Well, are you saved? Are you born again? I'm not saying you believe that there is a Jesus. There are a lot of people who believe that there was a Jesus. I'm not just have a knowledge of Jesus, but to believe in Jesus in a sense that you believe him, that your life changed, you've been transformed, you're born again, you repented of your sin, you're turning your mind, everything around to Christ, and you're following him, you're being separated. That is, once you repented of your sin and accept Christ as Lord and Personal Savior, that's justification. Now you've been justified by faith, not by works like any man should boast. The theological term, justification by faith, is simply by believing And some people can't, that's too easy. It may seem easy, but it took God all he had, his son. Simply believing, but it's not just, again, believing, oh, I believe there's a Jesus. No, it's believing by following, because James says, hey, you believe there's a Jesus? You know, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but that's okay. Even the demons believe there's a Jesus. There's not a demon that's an atheist. Every demon in the spiritual realm believes that there's a Jesus. Believe there's a God. Are they saved? Well, they're angels. They can't be saved, but they're demons. The belief is to follow. Justification, sanctification. Sanctification, you continue on with that as you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, not, you know, live your life your way. Oh, I said the sinner's prayer. I'm saved. I said I'm good. I did the little ritual, pass go, collect $200. That's not how it works. Because there's that sanctification, the Holy Spirit's working in you, and it's something that Christ even prays. So it's justification, sanctification, and hopefully you continue on to overcome, continue the race, and run and finish well. A lot of people start well, but don't finish well. And then there's glorification. Justification, sanctification, glorification. Jesus prayed this. Now, Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer, the real Lord's prayer, the Lord's prayer has been titled when Jesus says, Our Father out in heaven, how would be thy name, right? 
People say that's the Lord's Prayer. I could get what they're coming from, but that's really God's instruction how to pray because if you read it before, the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? Interesting they didn't ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, can you teach us how to walk on water, heal people? They knew that Jesus, the heart of his ministry is prayer. And Jesus gives them the instruction, when you pray, pray like this, our Father on heaven. But if you really, and I, I encourage you for devotion, read John chapter 17. That is the actual prayer of Jesus praying to the Father. But in that prayer, he's also praying for you. You are mentioned in that prayer. John chapter 17, read it. It's beautiful. But this is what Jesus prayed about sanctification. In John chapter 17, verses 18 and 19, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Speaking of the disciples, the apostles, and for their sake, I sanctified myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. It's all through Christ, not anything you have done. So we have been sanctified through cross. We continue on to be sanctified as believers in Christ. We're sanctified, separated from sin, set apart to God once and for all with the sacrifice of Jesus. You want to know you're right with God? Repent. <laughs> And come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and stay there. Stay and follow Jesus. Change the way you think. Change the way you live. The way you talk. Let the Holy Spirit, it's not an overnight process. But the Holy Spirit's working in you. Sanctifying you. Making you more and more like Jesus. I need it every day. I pray for conviction all the time. Have I achieved it like Paul said? No. All the things I have done is rubbish. All through Jesus Christ. Now in verses 11 through 18, it speaks about Christ's death, perfect sanctification. Verse 11, it says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. It's like, you know, repeating something that's going to really have no end result. Just being obedient. Every priest from Aaron, the first priest in the Aaronic priesthood, from Aaron in Exodus to the very last priest, whether they're priests, there were 80 priests at one time, and then there's a high priest, to the high priest when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. All these priests and high priests, every day they repeated the same thing. Every day they had to sacrifice for themselves. The priests had to sacrifice, they make a sacrifice for themselves every day. But for the nation, once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and sacrifice for the nation. And every day, they were going to the holy place, not the Holy of Holies, the first part of the tabernacle, and they'll light the menorah, and they were told to do this day and night. The menorah had to be lit at all times. The incense on the golden altar had to be lit. The showbread, every week on Shabbat, they had to eat the 12 loaves of bread and bake another 12 loaves of bread. So every day, they were doing this work, work, in the high priest every year. But they did it standing. There wasn't a chair. If you go back and look at all the, uh, the, the furnishings that the Lord instructed Moses to build when he built the tabernacle, the Lord didn't say, I put a chair. No chair. High chair, low chair, it doesn't matter. No chairs. You know, growing up in church, I always had this problem with chairs on the pulpit. I mean, you don't want to worship with us, uh, you know, pastor, preacher, Baptist, or whatever you are, bishop. You know, it's like they're exalted, you know, like you're special. You get to sit up there. And then you go to the TV evangelists, they got golden chairs. 
You know, it's like, whoa, where can I get those chairs? Don't want it. Anyhow, you know why they didn't sit? Because they had to work. There was no time for them to sit. Especially the high priest, when he went to the Holy of Holies, he feared for his life. We're talking months leading up to the Day of Atonement. He knew he has to go in there, but he had to be pure himself. Before he went to the Holy of Holies, and he, he wanted to do it not sloppy. He wanted to do it, I'm just going to do what God wants me to do, and I'm out. No time to sit. That's the high priest. But, look at verse 12. But this man, that's Jesus Christ, 100% man, 100% God. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He's in the heavenly tabernacle, in the heavenly holy of holies, and now he is seated. Why is Jesus seated? Because the work of salvation, the atonement for sins, is is once done, once completed, once and for all, not to be repeated. It's done. What did Jesus say on the cross in John chapter 19, verse 30? Jesus says, it is finished. He didn't say, okay, take it from here, guys. I got us this far. Yeah, I'm nailed. I'm about to give up my spirit to the, to the Father. And I'm going to say it's finished. Once I say that, you go. You take it from here. It's completed. It is finished. And it's sad that there are religions and religious people who want to add to that. And, and I think that's an offense to the work of God. That's an offense to the cross to say, well, Jesus, what you did wasn't sufficient. It wasn't enough. Just like the animals in the Old Testament. We need to do it every year. We need to add to it. The work of salvation is done once and for all. With the sacrifice, it was work, work, work. Every year, every day, work, work, work. With the work of the cross, Jesus Christ, it's rest, rest, rest. It is finished. He is seated. That's why we can rest We can rest. Why we can rest? Because we stand before God righteous because not what we've done, but because what Jesus has done on the cross. And so many Christians and people are not resting. They're consumed by the life they're living, by the sins they're committing because there's no rest. But we need to leave it at the cross. It is finished. Telestai. You don't have to do anything. I've done it all. Just believe and follow. Very simple. Verse 13, he says, For that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. From that time until, and that's speaking, it's a rest. It's a work that's been done. God is sanctifying his people. He's going to keep doing it until his second coming. This is appointed to the second coming, Armageddon. And it's uh, is a time that's going to take place after the church is completed. Friends, we're so glad you decided to join us today here on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie has been taking us through the book of Hebrews in a series titled, Jesus is Better. Within its pages, you hear about great people of faith. Do you feel like you could live a life like these great people of faith? You realize they weren't perfect, right? Our hope is that these messages are empowering you to see and believe that you can be a person of great faith too. One way to grow in your faith and understanding of God is by joining up with others who love and serve God. Here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. 
We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. For the rest of us, remember that you can find more messages from Pastor Eddie on that same website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to learn more from the book of Hebrews. For today, our time has come to a close, but we'll be back again next time and hope you will too. Come back to hear Pastor Eddie share more from this great book of Hebrews, here on Running the Race. 